Today's podcast is brought to you by The Alchemist Lab. The Alchemist Lab offer pharmacy-formulated products with over 50 years of combined experience in the business. All of their products are pharmacist-formulated and manufactured in their South Australian laboratory. Their products are also ethically tested, naturally sourced, and 100% Australian-made. Make sure you go to www.thealchemistlab.net.au to check out their wide variety of products, including magnesium creams, oils, bath salts, skin ointments, and much more. Guys, I've used their magnesium creams and oils myself for recovery and to prevent muscle cramps. They're great. The bath salts as well, if you're cutting weight or you know need to relax after a long week of training. Um, skin ointments, if I've had any you know thing pop up, training jiu-jitsu and things like that. All great stuff. Couldn't recommend it enough. Uh, so make sure you check out their Instagram page by going to the handle in my bio and shoot them a DM if you have any questions. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Hand Me Down Heat. You guys all remember how awesome the 1990s and early 2000s fashion was? Well, now we're lucky enough to be able to get our hands on that very same style today. The guys from Hand Me Down Heat are Adelaide-based and offer a massive variety of vintage shirts, jackets, jumpers, hats, and more. With regular stock coming in almost daily, the lads are almost guaranteed to have something that takes your fancy. So make sure you head over to their Instagram page at H-A-N-D- M-E-D-O-W-N dot heat to check out their regular auctions, collection walkthroughs and more. I recently just went through myself, guys. I had a great time. They've got an awesome collection of gear. So make sure you hit up the page. I'll leave the link in my bio and give them a follow. What's up, guys? Happy Friday. It's Tommy here. Make sure you go to the fridge, grab yourselves a beer, sit back and relax because you bloody earned it. What a week it's been. What a time to be alive at the moment, eh? With lockdowns and vaccine passports and all this shit. So sit back, sit back for a little while, take the load off, and let's chat about uh, the world of combat sports for a little bit, eh? Gingerbeard Firecast, episode 10. Make sure if you're not already, uh, you follow the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Spotify or Apple or wherever. We should be on just about every platform now. So... Uh, there's pretty much fuck all going on in terms of uh, the fight world at the moment. A little bit of you know news and notes around, but nothing too groundbreaking. So what I thought we'd do, thought we'd have a quick chat about the UFC 265 fight card that's coming up this weekend. Uh, originally uh, was scheduled to be headlined by Amanda Nunes and uh, what's her name? Juliana Pena, that's right, Venezuelan vixen. Uh, I believe they were headlining it. Uh, I know a lot of times they do the heavier weights uh, headlining, but I believe that the real title would uh, take precedent, uh, precedence over, I should say, over the uh, interim heavyweight title, which we'll get to in a second. But anyway, the card's now headlined by Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gunn. So we'll go through the card and we'll chat about the fights that realistically I give a fuck about. So Derek Lewis and Cyril Gunn, the headliner. Uh, if you've uh, listened to anything I've had to say for any period of time, you guys will know that I'm a massive Cyril Nuffy, uh, and I reckon that he is the absolute truth at heavyweight. Um, a lot of times with heavyweight fights, you hear guys talk about power and things like that and you know, who hits hard and who has the most knockouts and things like that. Bearing in mind, a lot of times with heavyweight fights, the fights will either be very boring due to maybe a lack of skill compared to some other divisions, 
or it'll end in a brutal knockout because at the end of the day, if you're 120 kilo or 265 pound dude and you're throwing fists at someone else and you land, they're probably going to go to sleep. What Cyril Garn has in that division that is a point of difference is his movement. Uh, so his movement where he can really sort of bounce in and out of range, he's light on his feet, and he seems to be able to do it for the whole fight. I mean, his style realistically of movement isn't that uh, different to that of like a Kyoji Horiguchi or a, like a Wonder Boy or someone like that. And you really don't see me many heavyweights move like that. I would almost go as far as to say that his movement is actually a bigger weapon than Derek Lewis's power. Arguable, because Derek Lewis, just when he touches people, it just seems to shut the lights out. But, you know, everyone has power. Now you can argue, okay, well, but Cyril Gunn doesn't really knock many people out. No, he doesn't. He doesn't flatline people as much as someone like a Lewis or an Ngannou does. But, you know, it's a different sort of style. It's a bit of a trade-off. If you're going to dance around and be light on your feet... You're not always going to be as rooted to the ground if your feet were flat, which would help you to generate more power. So it is a bit of a trade-off. You know, I believe that you know guns basically traded off that maybe fight-ending power to you know be a bit more mobile, um, use more angles, um, be harder to hit. Um, mind you, he still does get hit, so he's going to have to be mindful of that against Derek Lewis because as we saw in that. Curtis Blades fight, you really don't get many chances. Uh, in the Curtis Blades fight against Derek Lewis, we really did see, well, like most of Lewis's fights, actually, he sort of does get tuned up a bit and then ends up coming out and just shutting the lights out. You know, not only was Blades busting him up on the, you know, feet, he, uh, yeah, well, he was busting him up on the feet. The fight didn't even hit the ground. Uh, and then as soon as he shot him for that takedown, you know, Lewis timed that beautiful uppercut and that was it. So, you know, Derek Lewis, obviously we see in a lot of his fights that he does uh, take a licking and keep on ticking and then, you know, manages to score the knockout as well. They were talking to Garn's coach this week and he seems to think it's a bit of a, you know, rope-a-dope type style. Let's the guys think that he, you know, is maybe more injured, more hurt than he is and comes back and knocks him out. So, you know... In this fights like against uh, you know Travis Brown, he was hurt. Uh, you know, in a lot of his fights, we've seen him struggle and then come back and win. Um, you know, we have seen strikers like Mark Hunt and JDS who were able to finish him, and they probably are two of the higher level strikers that he's fought. So, um, you know. Maybe we'll see that that style plays in well for Garn. But we also saw Volkov, who tuned him up for pretty much the whole fight as well and then got knocked out right at the end. So, you know, it's one of those things. It, it may really just be as simple as Garn needs to be switched on for the whole 25 minutes. Um, that's if he doesn't finish him. You know, my my belief is it'll probably be a 50-44 decision across all the scorecards. Because, you know, he may opt to pick him apart and maybe steer clear of that danger. It'll be interesting to see as well what the judging is like because Texas judging has copped a lot of criticism. So it's going to be interesting to see if some of those old adages of, you know, who is walking forward more, are they going to get decisions and where maybe they were being outstruck while walking forward, things like that. 
Um, so I will really be interested to see that. Uh, I hope, and I, I get it, I am a Cyril Garn uh, nut hugger, and I really do probably hope he wins, mostly because I think there are a lot more interesting matchups to be had with him as an interim champ. Him fighting in Garn is a great fight. The winner of that fighting Jones is a great fight. Even Garn versus Stipe is a great fight. But also maybe the, the loser of this versus Stipe is a great fight. Like if Garn beats Lewis, which I think he probably will. You know, Derek Lewis versus Stipe is also a great fight. A uh, little uh, side note here. I did see something where Dana White had said that Stipe had actually agreed to face John Jones. I don't know why he'd come out and say that because Jones has said he's basically just going to fight for the title. And that's it. So anyway, uh, I think, yeah, a lot of awesome matchups to be made uh, with Garner's champ. Um, very inexperienced in his fight career. So it'll be interesting to see if he does get tested in this fight, you know, whether he sort of gets, you know, forced to rally from behind or something like that. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where even people have been messaging me this week saying they reckon Lewis is going to win but they reckon he's going to get fucked up for the whole time. So, yeah, I'm keen to see that fight. Like I said, uh, number one president of the Cyril Garn uh, fan club over here. Uh, moving on down the card, we've got Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz, uh, potentially the fastest man in the division versus the slowest man in the division. Uh, Jose Aldo, realistically, uh, has almost looked better at 135 than he did towards the end of his 145 run. You know, I remember looking at the photos of him when he first cut down to 35 and I thought, gee, like that's not smart. You know, he almost looked like he had a flesh-eating virus coming after him. But it was, as soon as he started fighting down there, you could see that, okay, like he's dialed in. It doesn't seem to be impacting his cardio and stuff at all. Yeah, he looks as good as he ever has at 35. Uh, Pedro Munoz, I believe his last win was the decision over Frankie Edgar. I will double-check that here. Uh, no, sorry, he lost that Frankie Edgar split decision, but he beat Jimmy Rivera in a unanimous decision. And that's right, he used those calf kicks really well uh, in that fight as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who throws more kicks. Um, people do often lament that Jose Alda doesn't throw as many leg kicks as what he used to. So Will Munoz try and kick with him. You know, that's... If Jose Aldo, he might throw a couple of leg kicks and then he tends to stop, but will Munoz go after his calves for the whole fight? You know, maybe he doesn't want to encourage Aldo to kick with him. Yeah, that'll be a good fight as well. Good fight to, you know, see which of those guys are still, you know, towards the top of the division. You know, Aldo obviously lost quite convincingly and was stopped quite badly by... Peter Yarn, but I still think there are some good fights for him in the top five of the division as well. Uh, welterweight fight, we've got Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque. That's a great fight. Um, I've heard this one compared this week to the classic striker versus grappler matchup, which it probably is. Chiesa's got a really good uh, style of MMA grappling. Uh, you know, he's not like a you know bottom guard player, but he's also not like a lay and pray wrestler either. You know, quite... You, quite good submissions and things like that. Um, hard to believe that he was a lightweight because you hear now that he walks around at about 190 pounds now and then cuts down to 170. So amazing to think that that guy ever fought at lightweight instead of welterweight. Um, not as tested at 170 against the division's elite, uh, Chiesa. He did fight RDA and you know out-grappled RDA across 
the fight, but you know RDA does really struggle with some of those real uh, dominant top grapplers, uh, particularly at one seventy. So this is be Gaze's introduction to the top, you know, ten top seven area of that welterweight division. And Vicente Luque is one guy that's struggled when he's reached the real top of that division. So it'll be interesting to see where both of these guys are at in terms of where they fit into the division. Uh, Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill. No real thoughts on that one. Tisha Torres quite often a uh, bit of a boring fighter, often at times, you know, can be one of those straw weights that can punch and kick the air in front of her. Uh, Angela Hill, I really like her style, and she really has been ripped off in a couple of her decisions as well. Um, you know, was a really active fighter across, across that quarantine period as well. It, you know, since the start of 2020, she's had five fights. Uh, gone three and two across that period. I still remember now that the uh, Gedalia split decision was a really uh, hotly uh, contested fight, which was quite controversial, that decision. And then she lost that split decision to Michelle Waterson as well. So, um, yeah, has been a little bit unlucky with, you know, some of these uh, decisions. So it would be nice to see her do well. You know, I, I do like her style. And I think if, you know, fighters were going out there and being active during this time, you know, deserve a little bit of luck to come their way. Uh, Song Yidong versus Casey Kenny. Um, yeah, no real thoughts on that one either, to be honest. Uh, Song Yidong, a very talented fighter. The last fight I remember him having was against Marlon Vera. Uh, but he fought Kyla Phillips, actually, after that one at UFC 259 and uh, lost that one in a unanimous decision. So I don't even remember that fight happening, to be honest. So I'll have to go back and watch that one. Uh, very talented guy. Great boxing. Uh, and then Casey Kenny here for Dominic Cruz. Uh, I must admit, I don't know a whole lot about Casey Kenny. I didn't going into that Cruz fight, and I don't know much about him coming out of that. Uh, so, yeah, be a good uh, fight, that one. I mean, who knows? Even maybe if you're the winner of that or the loser of that, you could give to someone like a Sean O'Malley. You know, if you wanted to introduce O'Malley back into that top 15 area, um, you could do that as well. Uh, but... My favourite fight, arguably my favourite fight of this card, is the Bobby Green versus uh, Rafael Fazayev fight, which is headlining the preliminary card. Fazayev, uh, I believe he's Peter Yarn's striking coach, or if not striking coach uh, training partner, but he's been in his corner and I've seen him holding pads for him at least at some stage. Uh, really made a splash when he fought Mark Casey in his uh, second UFC fight, uh, you know, with a lot of his... Uh, lean backs and things like that. You know, people loving his Matrix-style head movement. And then in his last fight against Hanato Moicano, when he just shut Moicano's lights out uh, coming forward with that left hook. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited to see him fight. I love how his style is going to mesh with Bobby Green's style. Bobby Green loves, you know, doing the old shoulder rolls and things like that. Uh, you know, loves the the mean mugging and the trash talking in the fight and things like that. It does seem like in recent times he has dialed down a smidge. I mean, back in the day, he would just get cracked in the face and, you know, shrug his shoulders and say, nah, didn't get me, when it very clearly has got him. But, yeah, entertaining guy to watch. Um, you know, seems to have a heart of gold as well. You know, he's had some real epic post-fight speeches in that 2020 pandemic uh period as well so uh, i was a little bit bummed on that one didn't get uh bumped up to the main card when the 
Uh, Nunes versus Pena fight fell out, but I suppose the UFC know what they're doing. You know, I don't know what numbers they do on those prelim cards. Maybe they know that more people are going to see that fight. A lot of times they do want a, a really good marquee fight on that prelims as well, and they might, you know, bump one up with some lesser names onto that, the middle of that uh, main card or pay-per-view card or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, uh, look, all the other fights on, I mean, you've got Ed Herman versus Alonzo Menafield. Uh, you got Carolina Kowalkiewicz versus Jessica Penne. You know, throw back some of the OG women's strawweights. Uh, Manel Cape uh, fighting on the early prelims. You know, he's uh, made his name in, in Ryzen. Um, I believe he was one of Floyd Mayweather's guys uh, to begin with. I'll have to double-check that. Um, yeah, got a lot of talent, but, you know, I'd like to see him fight more actively in terms of his output because um, he's got a lot of potential as well. But, yeah, look, those are all the fights, guys. Um, the fight ones I give a fuck about anyway. Uh, yeah, so that might be it for today, I think. I thought we'd just do a quick little run through of the card and quick little chat about it, just so it can have a bit of a vent, you know, got to vent to somebody about these things. Uh, got a couple of uh, interviews in the pipeline coming up soon, uh, which I'll be announcing next week. Uh, so really good to be getting back to, you know, doing podcasts with someone other than myself, just rambling into the microphone. So uh, I really want to, you know, drop those, but, you know, better wait till it's all locked in before I do that. So um, once again, guys, make sure you're following or subscribe to the podcast or whatever you want to call it. Uh, share the post if you could. Uh, tell your friends, tell whoever gives a fuck about five podcasts and listening to randomers rant about the fights. Uh, I'll be back next week uh, with some more information about podcasts coming up. But thanks for listening in, guys.